0: no one can really hurt me i hurt myself enough so i'm my worst worst critic i have a terrible internal dialogue i'm very nasty to myself so i don't care what you say or think because i've already said it to myself or i already feel it so what Alison or anyone else really thinks about me i don't care um wow which is good and bad because you can't really get away from yourself Mm. Uh, and that stuff i have to work on a lot it's my internal dialog
1: I'm Alison Rice, and welcome to Offline the Podcast. These are honest conversations about true self with the people behind the Instagram accounts and the teachers who help us on our way. A lot has changed since I launched Offline in September 2018. It started as a podcast, and thanks to your ongoing support, it turned into a movement. Today, Offline exists to help us explore the essence of who we are and how to live, create, and succeed in alignment with that. This is our true self. There's the podcast, a series of online courses I've created with our collective needs in mind, and experiences that allow us to connect as a community. Visit getoffline.co to find out more or follow getoffline.co on Instagram. I hope this episode helps you on your way. Thank you for being here. My next guest is legendary in women's lifestyle media. She'll hate that I said that, but it's true. Lee Campbell is one of Australia's most respected and recognised beauty editors. After Shop to Your Drop, she spent nearly a decade as Cosmopolitan's beauty director before jumping ship to digital to head up Lifestyle for Huffington Post Australia. Today, she's Mamma Mia's executive editor, and you can hear her lovely voice on her very own podcast, You Beauty. This episode is longer than others, and for that reason, it deserves a cup of tea and maybe some chocolate. We replace chocolate with red wine, so there's also that option. And tissues. Grab some of those as well. Here's Bravely and I for Offline. would like to start at the beginning.
0: Okay. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> like when I was born.
1: Well, I would like to know I guess a little bit more about your upbringing. Mm. Um and the reason I ask that is you're really close to your parents. Yes. And so I'm interested to understand yeah, what your upbringing was like.
0: It's funny that you ask that because my head of people and culture, I put up a video of mum the other day and she was like, oh my God, you're a Bogan, like you're Western Sydney. And I'm like, excuse me, Northwest. But (laughs) I did, I grew up out in Dural, which is for people that aren't from Sydney, it's like, like then you lived on five acres, like half acre block or quarter acre block wasn't a thing. Um, And I'm very close to my family. My brother and my sister are 10 and eight years older. So mm. I basically had – You're the baby. I'm the baby. And mum says I wasn't a mistake, but duh, like <laughs> 10 and 8 years. That's a pleasant surprise, See, right? I was
1: like planned as in, I think, one of four, mm. but I was early. Right. Because I was only 12 months between my sister and I, so I'm like, mum, how – God, ouch.
0: (laughs) What a minx. But I think for me it worked out perfectly because my parents were done with parenting and my brother and sister could look after me and so I just had four besties growing up instead of actually being parented, which had its pros and cons. You know, I dropped out of high school. um, Did you? I did. Yeah, I haven't even done the HSC or whatever it's called now or gone to uni. Oh
1: my God. I know,
0: halfway through year 11. And, you know, in Tahiti when I was 15, I said to mum and dad, I really want to get a tattoo. And they were like, okay. So they arranged for the tattoo guy to come to my room and I got my first tattoo. So they were very liberated. But I think from that, as much as I wasn't very disciplined, I was never very naughty. Mm. I was distracting because I have maybe a bit of ADHD, I think. (laughs) Um, But as a result, just growing up, they the four of them were my best friends. Like mm. I could tell them everything and I never got in trouble. So and less
1: less feeling like a sibling relationship and more like a friendship. Totally. Yeah. With all
0: four of them, which is awesome. I'm really close to my brother
1: and my sister's amazing and she lives with my parents still and,
0: yeah, really close, which mm. I think is um, – I mean I'm just so thankful for because a lot of my friends growing up had the same families and then going into that old world, not a lot of people have that with their parents. Like I – Oh, totally. We're shocked. Like often my parents would call me drunk out of their mind saying, come pick us up, we're drunk. And I'd find them dancing in the middle of the street. And I'm like, get in the car. You're <laughs> um, embarrassing me. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and then I learned that that wasn't normal. I was like, oh, you know, I knew I was lucky but not that lucky.
1: Mm, the discipline thing's interesting because my story is the same in that there wasn't any mm-hmm. but I never did anything wrong.
0: Yeah, I didn't do anything really. Well, is like a smoked yeah. weed. Yeah. But I still came home and yeah. like – I think, which is funny because, you know, talking to Rich, my husband, and he was quite strictly raised in a Greek family, he says if we ever had kids, you know, I we have to be as strict as my parents were. And I'm like, but why? Hells no. No. Like I was given a long leash, but I didn't go wild.
1: Mm. I mm. also just want to be like a cool mom. Yeah,
0: totally. And <laughs> Until you have kids and, and you're like, yeah, and, and then think,
1: I'm tracking you on my iPhone.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, God, who knows what they would use by then.
1: I know. I know. But no, it's interesting, like – and even on the weed thing, I remember I. <laughs> so I always say best from the west. Mm. Where are you I, from? Camden. Oh, yeah. which is actually really I'm from Newellin, but Camden I feel like is the yeah. more glamorized sub, suburb. You so I always still say call Camden, Sydney, like Western Sydney, Western Sydney. Yeah, um, but I grew up earlier in Campbelltown and Bradbury, right? And then we oh, moved you're to a Campbelltown, girl. Yeah, and then we moved to Newellin, so I truly am best from the west. Yeah, and that's why I'm going to say it this way. But the first time I. I hope this is right. This is going to be embarrassing if it's not. Do you, do you pull a bong?
0: Yeah, <laughs> you do. Yes. Pull a cone. Yes, that's right. <laughs> oh, God.
1: <laughs> that's Aww. mortifying. I did that once. Um, I vomited. Yeah. my you tongue out, they call it. Okay. My tongue felt so enormous <laughs> that I actually thought I was going to choke. <laughs> I
0: can imagine you as a teenager. I was just like
1: not that girl. Like, and then the second time I did pot, I was older and I was in Amsterdam for Mm. New Year's Eve with my brother, with my dad and with my little sister. That's a rite
0: of passage though.
1: But I was so drunk and I don't know, I was like 22, 23, and I said to my brother, I want to go and have a joint, you know, and he was (laughs) like, oh, God. And I remember being so drunk and I walked into this, whatever they're called, marijuana bars, and I went all the way down the list and I was like, I'll have the Black Widow, please. Oh, my God. I Think that was the closest I've ever come to dying. <laughs> I, I love was to see that. Oh, I can't even tell you, like literally like on the but bathroom with your floor. On this trip? Well, it was my sister my little sister and I who I was supposed to be looking after. <laughs> oh god. I love you, Debbie. <laughs> um in a room together, and she—I can't even imagine what she heard or saw so. because I literally was like hallucinating in the bathroom. And We've then they all been yeah there in Amsterdam. Man, anyway, but that's like literally the two times I've been naughty. Yeah, in my whole life, I was relatively good, I think, given yeah. the long leash that I had. Um, can we talk about your twenties? Yeah, what were those years like? Because I know <sighs> they're so defining in a lot of ways in the context of them shaping a bit of our narrative as we go into our 30s as well. Big
0: time. Mm. My 20s. So I started working in magazines when I was 21. So a big part of my life, I guess, career-wise was working at ACP at the time, now Mm. called Bauer, working across Shop to Drop and Cosmo. That was kind of work. And then private life, I was just finding your way like you are in your 20s, boyfriends, moving out of home which was devastating because I didn't think about it. I was just mm. like, I'm going to move out of home because I'm a big girl. And then when I got there, I was like, why did I do this? I love my parents <laughs> and there's no one to do my washing. <laughs> and it was th- I did it way too early because that's what you did.
1: Mm. And I
0: would love to get those years back and spend more time with my folks at home.
1: Um, so you moved out home when you were like 21?
0: I was 23, I think, which is not that late, but I dead set would have lived with them till I was 30 because mm. – my clothes were washed the next day. Dinner was cooked. <laughs> it was awesome. Um, and then, yeah, relationships and heartbreak and that's what your 20s are, I guess. Mm. Um, living with different flatmates. I lived on my own for a period of time, which I loved. I had, Me too. Oh, I had the world's tiniest apartment in Paddington. Me too. Oh, I was on Flinders Street. I was on Gurner Street, worst name, above Le Gerbe d'Or. It was that French bakery. Yeah. It was so good. They used to bring me all their leftovers. Um You
1: were like a regular Carrie Bradshaw.
0: I kind of was. It was called the triangle because my bedroom was a triangle shape. So it didn't really fit a bed. But hey, you make it work. You do. And I think I look at my 20s fondly now because I'm nearly 37. So I'm far enough away. But I remember them being quite painful in terms of Mm -hmm. working out who I was and who I wanted to be with and what my future looked like. Because I was in such a hurry to get there Mm. not that I know
1: where there was but Mm. I just wanted it to be and I still am very like that now I'm I was going to say like do you feel like because I guess I don't even know how I would place that on myself of like where's there
0: yeah there it doesn't exist and that's the problem then feel
1: closer to there now than I ever have before yeah same same.
0: Mm. and I'm okay with there not being perfect Mm. because I always was like okay next 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 but Mm. then
1: what What does that even mean? Do you think that's – do you think that comes from the industry we work in?
0: I think partly it does because you're sort of project-based, deadline-based, always working in the future. Um, Mm. I mean digital less so but, you know, I did 12 years in magazines and so when it's November you're writing about March and so you kind of like, oh, it's summer still, I'm ready for winter and then so on. So you kind of live partly in the future – Um, But it's also just in my nature. I'm not good at sitting still because I Mm. don't always love being with my own thoughts. So I'm Mm. always in a hurry to distract myself with Mm. what's next. Is that
1: something you work a lot on Uh, or you are working a lot on?
0: It's something I should work a lot on and I work on periodically, but it's definitely my default. So if I don't, it just goes back to that. Mm. So it just depends on how well I'm looking after myself, what I've got going on. If I'm going through a particularly painful time, I don't like doing it because it hurts. So I distract myself with plans and things and, Mm. you know, all the stuff you're not meant to do. another holiday. Yeah, uh, exactly. I'll just buy things. Oh, look, I'll put the 45th chambray shirt next to the 46th, like Mm. because I do that, you know. Well,
1: I've thought a lot about my, you know, you came in here and you commented on how my apartment or our apartment's neat.
0: Very neat.
1: I think there's heaps – there, wrapped up in control. Yeah. Um, That's interesting. I get I get easily overwhelmed, which a lot of people don't know about me because I wouldn't seem that way perhaps on the outset.
0: You seem very cool when measured.
1: But I and I, I, I guess I am because everything else is where it needs to be mm. and I can't so when handle when it's
0: all in its place, then you can be calm.
1: Yeah. It's when it starts to, like if our place gets too cluttered Tony knows that like, he just goes out because I'll wake up in the morning and I'll just start moving things yeah, right. and grouping things in a corner of like that's all got to go. You
0: do love a little group. Oh, man.
1: <laughs> like a little vignette.
0: So it's so funny because I'm the same but I, doing the tidying also does my head in. So I just live mm. in like unhappy mess. Mm. Not mess but I just have a lot of stuff because oh. the stuff helps distract me from the other stuff. The other stuff, the real
1: stuff. Yeah. No, I – We have lots of conversations about my. So I have this with. It looks like it's my my interview, not yours. (laughs) Why am I talking about myself so much? Um, But my ability to throw things away without thought or care, and that also extends into friendships. And I say that with care, in Mm. that when I've been betrayed. It's That's like you it? never knew me. Oh, switch off. It's like off. you literally never knew me. Wow. So I could have been like a sister to you, but once I'm betrayed, I'm like gone because wow. I'm all in. Yeah. And, and I'm then you're a all big out. truster. Yeah. And he's always said to me like it's like pretty insane how you can switch that Is it switch a protection off. Thing. I think so. I think I just feel so hurt mm. that i can't even look at the person yeah and how am i really going to go there with you and have these and conversations and, and
0: climb back can you take like what mm, would it take for you to take them back into your life mm, i haven't today oh
1: <laughs> shit <laughs> i'm gonna do the wrong thing this is not my therapy session i'm gonna move <laughs> on to my I next question talk about you <laughs> um you did have built um, a name for yourself and what I would consider, which I know you won't agree with, um, but quite a cult following. Mm -hmm. I know, that's so cringe, isn't it? It's true though. Um, And that was a big part of that was your role as beauty director at Cosmo and you were in that for the best part of a decade. Yeah, Yeah. um, such a long time. Um, But I want to talk about that time as it relates to self and identity because when I first... Really met I remember being new on the beauty editor scene and Lee was basically famous. She was, and arguably still is, Queen Bee of the beauty circuit. And I remember observing PRs, clients and other beauty editors wanting to impress her. Without trying to be, she became a brand herself. I wanted to know what that felt like. All the attention and all the fuss. I remember. I'm a big observer and observing the scene, I guess. And I have said in other episodes that the beauty community is really amazing and it's actually fashion that I've found quite polarising. I not
0: agree more. But
1: beauty is like it's family, it's yeah. friends, it's everyone's I think lovely like that
0: because fashion in the industry moves in a group. So you normally or traditionally when there was actually headcount, you had three or four or five on a magazine But Traditionally, then just it was just me at Cosmo, so I had Mm. to go to events on my own. I didn't have my posse to hide in. Mm. Um, So, you
1: got to make friends, you got to make friends,
0: but it's also really scary. I remember going to my first event, Amy Starr took me, and I was terrified. Mm. And all these people were so perfect, but then you've Mm. I quickly learned that beauty girls ate at their functions, which was nice, not to say fashion girls don't, but there was like three canapes at a fashion oh event. My God, starving!
1: Feed me. I know. <laughs> um, don't you find that when beauty girls go to fashion things, all we talk about is is there food? Do you think there'll be there food? food? Are is this dinner, dinner? dinner or just <laughs>
0: <laughs> are we getting dinner? Because it's funny, you, you know, I didn't realize how spoiled we were, but beauty events in the industry are the best, most well put together, and oh we're s- being so spoiled. I know they've gone totally off a tangent, but
1: mm. well, I guess my question is. um. How did you um, I don't know if handle's the right word, but my observation of you in that period, you were somebody that was and is so well respected. I could, I could see PRs rally around you, like your opinion was really important to everyone, where you were sat at events. And how did you sort of um think about that and how did that sit with you the do you get what I'm saying, like the noise around you a yes, bit? Yeah, I do get what you're saying and that's
0: very nice. Thank you. It was kind of a two-pronged thing. I think at the time Cosmo was the biggest selling magazine in the world. So essentially you're very important to the PRs because of who you work for and you're often sat next to the owner of the brand for whatever event because – you're an important title. Mm. But also I really tried all the time to be very professional because yes, it's a pretty pink lunch or a cocktail party or whatever, but it's actually a work meeting. Mm. It's just not in a boardroom. So you arrive to the event, you say hi to the client or to the PR, you sing the praises of where you work, even if that day you hate (laughs) your work or your boss. You know, it's a process. It's not a party. Mm. Um, And I always did that from really early on and took my career very seriously because I loved what I was doing but I also wanted to go elsewhere later. Mm. And, you know, in the industry all the big editors were beauty editors first because you get the commercial know-how, it's how you get known in the industry, how you conduct yourself. So I took it Mm. pretty seriously from early on and I think also this probably sounds a bit wanky or a bit superficial but I also saw what Instagram was going to be, not that – it's my career now but i th- i th- i saw it as a way to the next step later mm. a lot earlier than i think um i think traditional media was like oh this instagram thing it's mm. them or us and it's like well no mm. and so i tried to kind of slowly interact that way as well as through mm. the well, it was actually one
1: of my questions was was that not strategic but considered in a way that it, yeah because you're not someone who's ever curated a feed, no. no. Oh, my
0: God, no. And yeah, you go and look on my Instagram and it's a hot mess. Like there's no colour thing or like, I don't know. Mm. But I loved when we saw Eva Chan, you and I were lucky enough to go to that talk she did and she said, don't worry about curating your feed. And mm. I love that hers is very real mm. um, but more it was a place to – do more because I was getting frustrated by working in print and only having 16 pages a month and so much cool shit to talk about and also having a one-way conversation with the women that were consuming the content. You're like, buy magazine, out it goes, hope you like it. And then all of a sudden Instagram came along and you could talk back and you could share stuff daily. And also that's where I think sparked All Right Digitals for me because Mm. it's not – print
1: wasn't fast enough. Mm. It was so slow. I remember when we – I'd left beauty and started working in, I guess, like management and leadership in digital still. And when we first started to get to know each other a bit better and you were moving into digital, I remember thinking, yes.
0: Why don't you just say
1: I asked you for a job? (laughs) I was like, hire me. No. But, yeah, I mean – to experience for no. us at that time. No, really, you were like yeah. we were at the start. And it all
0: worked out perfectly, and ended up a half post. But I think that's when of you course. and I became
1: friends yeah. and started talking.
0: Mm. But I, I just
1: remember thinking, finally, like people are going to take this thing seriously because we needed more women of status essentially um, to come come over. Yeah, Yeah,
0: it was funny because still being in print then, I was was bored, I can say that. You know, I'd been at Cosmo for eight years and so it was the same stuff. Um, And there was a lot of politics at Bower at the time. You know, I couldn't contribute as much to the site as I wanted to. And I was just like, guys, like for me the writing was on the wall. I didn't read mags. Mm. Um, My friends didn't read mags. I wanted content daily and so – I was like, right, As, like I loved my job at Cosmo. I loved my family. I could do it with my eyes closed. So I was like, do I stick with the cushy kind of stuff or do I jump into a, an industry I know nothing about? And obviously I came to you and begged for a job. So I was like – You didn't beg. I'm doing this digital thing. We had a coffee. <laughs> we had a coffee.
1: Um, I feel like that's actually interesting for me to reflect on because I've literally just done the same thing in a lot of ways of – you know, you leave the dream job yeah, and it's still the dream job. And I think that's harder than leaving a job that you hate. Absolutely. Even if you don't necessarily know kind of what's next. but
0: That's brave, more brave. I was at least going to a job. It was digital, which I knew nothing about. I knew how to post a Facebook status. That was about it. (laughs) And then on my first day they were like, okay, this is how you use a CMS. And I was like, what's that? I can file a copy in Word. Um, But, you know, if you – got half a brain you can learn it Mm. but I think for you your leap is more brave because you know what you've got going on but Mm. I you know I could say I'm going from Cosmo to HuffPost and here's my pretty bow around my story Mm. and that's easier
1: well maybe I'll be begging you for a job anytime (laughs) (laughs) how did you um and I guess I ask this because it's I did all of the work before I resigned so that I didn't have an identity crisis um going from this I guess very high-profile beauty director on this glossy magazine and into digital which you know we have to do a lot of explaining not now but we mm, did around totally how did you transition through that mentally I guess it's the moving away from being this thing yeah. into
0: I just it it didn't serve me anymore and also it's funny um, some people that meet me more so back then would go well, after they've met me, oh, you're really nice. And so I think with a surprise tone, they had made an assumption that I was this pink girl that worked at this pink magazine that wore lipstick and walked around in really high heels, which I was except for the pink lipstick. But also that wasn't who I actually am. It was just mm. part of my job. And so for me, I just – it didn't fulfill me anymore. So it wasn't about the ego or the status or who people thought I was in the industry. It was just like I'm ready for a challenge. Mm. Um and so, yeah, I took, I guess, what looked like a less glamorous step, but it was the way to keep myself
1: interested. Mm. And who's laughing now?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't say that. No, but no. Like, I think
1: – I am kidding. I know you're kidding. Mm. But I
0: also just was like, if I don't do digital now, I don't know when. Like, just mm. was time. 12 mm. years at one mag. You know, I had a long service leave at 31. Yeah. You know, so how much longer could I stay at that company?
1: Well, I've written about this before in a – I was like, okay, now it's another thing. I used to do a career column. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. This is your new Uh, life. Yeah. And I wrote a lot about the gig economy and, you know, we're going to be in a world where we're going to be bidding our skill set into employers and – that's exciting to me to think about new ways of working and there's always a point where and I've I've learned that about myself that I'm always gonna take the jump before everyone else. Yeah. I might not necessarily know what
0: it is it is or where you're gonna land. But I
1: definitely know perhaps the same as you when it's time. Yeah. And then not having to have something else perhaps lined up necessarily. But then I put on my Instagram like, um I've worked like hard enough for long enough to take the time to decide on my own terms absolutely but I think our industry in particular is quite obsessed with to your point the big bow next absolutely how do I fit you into my landscape now where do you go and it has to be
0: up like it has to be up otherwise what are you doing and I think similar to you but different because I had no choice I was made redundant last year in November Mm. and I had no job and I spent all of December and yeah, I had prospects and I, was, I knew I'd get a job and I was talking to people, but I, all of a sudden I was just Lee Campbell who wakes up and has nothing to do all day. Mm. Um, How did that feel? It was really liberating and terrifying. And I was forced to look at myself and go, okay, who am I if I don't work at, you know post, which was the biggest website in the world or cosmo biggest magazine in the world like i'm just me Mm. i'm going to walk down to the shops in my yoga clothes and get a coffee and then what am i going to do (laughs) um which was nice but it was really interesting to observe how i felt about myself and also how the industry treated me in that time before i announced you know took a job and announced where i was going um and that was also surprising because some people were so lovely some people just wanted the goss like to text where are you going not even like, are you okay? I know you are oh my God, this is me unemployed. You know, particularly when you're made redundant. Mm. That can be really mm. hard. But not like, are you okay? It's like, where are you going? Mm. And I think that's really mm. like the vulture circle, which is gross. Um, but it was a good time for me to... How long was that time? So I had five weeks off total. And mm. I'd already been speaking to my Mia prior. Mm. It was fairly clear that HuffPost was going to close for some time. Mm. And I was like... Because that's the other
1: thing in like, you know... People, and they come to me for the ghost. I'm like, when you're in a business, you're pretty aware at yeah. a senior level, what's you're pretty aware on. of what's happening. Absolutely. Like, yeah.
0: And I, we knew in some shape or form that things weren't great. Um, so I'd had, I had conversations, but I still didn't have anything locked in and I didn't have an income that was guaranteed. And so... And then also just questioning where you want to go next because there's mm. options and will I go in house at a brand or will I, mm. you know, do media, which obviously I kept doing. But it was, it made me question myself a lot. Um, and then personally, parallel to that, I thought I would be in a different place. And mm. it was just like a whole culmination of like, whoa, where is my life taking me? Which mm. was kind of good because I just surrendered to the, I don't mm. really know. That's definitely where I am is like the surrender. And you just have to, you can't, mm. you know, I'm very organised in my, not my stuff, but my life. And I Me couldn't organise this period. So mm. I just had to go, eh, we'll mm. see, it's which is bad. uncomfortable.
1: Do you miss like the old days of media in a way? And not so much media then, I guess, just like it was so different, less concern, less pressure, less worry, oh my less. Oh,
0: God, it was so easy. Mm. Like I just can't believe I thought I was busy. Like 16 pages once a month which I could write in four days Mm. and very literally part of my job was going with L'Oreal to Qualia for three days while they launched a moisturiser.
1: You never got invited to those
0: events, I mean, it was wild and I just can't believe I ever thought I was Mm. busy and now it's a totally different pace and it's much – there's much more at stake and, you know, I've got a huge team but it's so much more fulfilling – than that stuff was, Mm. you know. I think that was well placed in my 20s where it was all cool to go to parties. I've got lots of time. Yeah. mm. But I didn't think I had any time. I thought I was so flat out. (laughs) And now I'm like, my God. Um, So I do miss that Mm. part, the easy part, but it didn't fulfil me Mm. for a long time while I was still there. Mm.
1: I remember thinking in my beauty days when we were at the events, I remember same as you knowing why I was there. And getting on and doing that work. But I also remember thinking, well, this can't be it. Yeah. This cannot be it.
0: It definitely has an expiry yeah. date. And, you know, it's so great because I love seeing my young girls at, at work because they're so excited by the events. And I'm mm. like, oh, Do I was it. you. Yeah. And I get to pass the button, and you get to go. Mm. Because and I'm going
1: to go home and sit on the lounge.
0: Yeah. And, it, you know, it feels so bratty and First World to be tired of going to events. But after 15 years, you – do get tired of it Mm. and yes it's doing your job and you'll go when you need but it's not
1: what makes me get up and do my work no are you loving leadership
0: i'm loving the challenge Mm. of leadership i have a fairly big team at mamma mia and um what i've learned most is that people work very differently and there's no right way to work and i'm very like you i work quickly and it took me a while to go. Okay, that person works slowly, but their work is flawless. Or this person needs a lot of feedback. Or this person flourishes with autonomy, and
1: it's very different. personalized, isn't it? Very personalized, which very, is what takes so much time. Yeah, I was hmm. going to say it's
0: so time-consuming that that should be its own job. Just hmm. being everyone's manager should be its own job. But then, of course, you've got to do your actual work. Um, but it's the part that's ever evolving that I enjoy. Um, I enjoy the challenge because I know I'll never get. It'll never be finished. Mm. There'll be new staff and new mentor, you know. Totally. And that's you've got to embrace that a bit.
1: Mm.
0: But some days I hate it.
1: <laughs> oh my God. Oh, tell me about yeah, it. Like and got- it's just like it's um it's a lonely Existence, Mm. leadership. It's funny because
0: I, my team, we have monthly targets and we hit our monthly target four months in a row. And I was like, right. So I took them all to the pub on Friday night and we all got shit faced. This is a few Friday nights ago. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm the boss and I'm drunk. I've got to go. And I just did a Houdini because I was like, I can't be Mm. this person. But then where's the line? Because also media is so fun and casual that you can very easily be friends with the people you work with. Mm. And so you've got to keep in mind that you want to be friendly and approachable but not their friend. Mm. And that's, Oh, my God, that's hard. Especially because so we work hard. with
1: women. and
0: We work with women our exact age that outside of work we'd probably be very best friends with. Mm. And so that part I probably haven't mastered
1: yet. Mm. Uh, I learned um, – this is you know i've got a lot of great li- one liners I'm, I'm, I'm going to i'm going to share one um as a as a leader your team don't have to like you they just have to respect you yeah and you know there's you get lots of nuggets and some of the nuggets stick and it was when i learnt that one that i realized i was leading the wrong way mm. and then i flipped my style and everything became so much
0: but was it easy to flip yeah. I, it's hard to find that line between I lost a few
1: yeah. along the way because um, you know, they're used to things being a certain that was before. Yeah, exactly. Um but then as a manager you also know when it's someone's time. Absolutely. Too. So part of our role is to shepherd people out yeah. as much as yeah. bring Keep in them sort of superstars. Yeah. It's, yeah. True.
0: it's funny because I mean, none nowhere in my career was I ever taught how to be a manager. It just mm, you that's accumulate reports as you get on you're like okay mm. I, lo- I know what I'm doing um- let me try not to fuck all of you up and fuck this whole thing up. <laughs> totally and then they're like wow I look up to you and you're like me I have no idea what I'm doing
1: mm. but somehow you become a grown-up along the way I know and that's the benefit of mentors and what I've been learning is that they're, they're super rare because you know we throw that word around mm. but true mentors the ones that actually just like kick in the guts change yeah. your life very few and far between. And you
0: can't often choose them. You know, mm. often people will say, will you be my mentor? And I'm like, sure. But my mentors weren't – it wasn't a verbal agreement.
1: It just happened. So I don't know heaps about this, but I know enough to ask you the question. <laughs> Here we go. Um, you have had an interesting relationship with Instagram in that you have been attacked yeah. on Instagram before. Yes. And I would love to talk about that yeah. if you don't mind and – what, ha- what happened or has happened? And then also, why? 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 Were yeah, you, yeah.
0: I have had the odd random or nasty comment here and there, but this one um, incident you're referring to, I was on my honeymoon. So I just married Rich and we're in Tulum. Thank God there was a lot of tequila at the time. Um, <laughs> and I got this notification. I'd put up a photo of me in my bikini, and the notification said, look at you, aren't you a brave big girl? You're a, you know, role model for big girls everywhere in a bikini. I can't believe someone like you at that size would Jesus. wear a bikini or whatever. And I was like, huh? You're like, I'm an eight. Yeah. And but I'm even like, still. Seriously. And I was like, oh. And then I looked at the name and it was Lee Jotsis. So what they had done was register what would be my married name had I taken Richard's name, not knowing that I would prefer to just keep Campbell because I can pronounce it. Um, <laughs> and then they'd put – the photo was of Mr. Bean – Wearing a, a wedding crown, and then so I clicked onto the account, and it, the caption was, "I wear an ugly, cheap crown because I wore a crown to my wedding hmm. three weeks prior." And I was like, "Oh my god!" And I couldn't quite catch up to what was happening. And then I was like, "Oh, someone's like, is this cr- happening to me. Is this yeah, happening right and now." And like, also, what? Like, I think I had fifteen thousand followers at the time. Like, what is? What is? This is just so weird. So I said to Rich, "Look." And um, they kept commenting just like um, like passive aggressive, like you big girl, you go girl, um, look at you and your cheap crown. like I don't know. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is wild. Um, and one of my very smart, nerdy friends was able to trace the IP address. So I actually know the two suburbs that the account was logged into. So I've got a fair idea of the group of people that it was. I know, oh. which I won't say. But also it didn't. I think again, the tequila didn't affect me because Interesting. I was in a happy bubble, and I was 33 or however long I've been married at the time, um, and it was very clearly clear to me that they were the sad person that had a problem with me, and I was just like, "Wow, why are you like this? Like, what have I done to What's wrong you? With you? What's yeah. wrong with you? What are and, you?
1: What pain are you in? Yeah,
0: mm. and you know, I thought." For a while, I was like, this should hurt more. But I was like, it doesn't. I'm just like, you poor sad thing. And then when I got home, one of the journalists from the paper called me and they ended up doing a segment on it in the Sunday paper. Oh, God. And I know it was a slow news week, obviously. Um, And she asked me these questions as well. And I was like, I think I should feel more upset, but I don't. I think, you know, that poor Instagram person thought, yes, I got her surname. Like, I got that account. And I was like, mate, I didn't want the name.
1: Mm. Um, But this happened to someone else we know that I'm now – in. Anyway. Probably. I might have told
0: you the story. No. Oh. You haven't, but but for me We're going to pick
1: this up offline. <laughs> <laughs> I, it sh- could have been a lot worse and I think like it is a lot about your sense of self and strength I, of character.
0: No one can really hurt me. I hurt myself enough. So I'm my worst worst critic. I have a terrible internal dialogue. I'm very nasty to myself. So I don't care what you say or think because I've already said it to myself or I already feel it so what alison or anyone else really thinks about me i don't care um wow which is good and bad because you can't really get away from yourself Mm. Uh, and that
1: stuff i have to work on a lot it's my Mm. internal dialogue have you explored or you know obviously you have Mm. where does that narrative come from I don't do you know think, where yeah. it
0: comes from. I've definitely explored it through lots of therapy and kinesiology and antidepressants and all that sort of stuff. Um, I don't know the origin of it. I have been hypnotised actually but that was for something else. We didn't find that back when I was four in my hypnotist thing. Um, it's just how I'm wired I guess yeah. but, you know, on the flip side I guess it helps me in some way because I, I do put so much pressure on myself to um you know, it's funny, my boss, Holly, at work, I'm always saying, but Holly, I've got to do this perfectly. And she's like, it's very, very good. You know, it's okay. And I'm learning that not to be go easy on myself if I do something okay. Mm. Um, but that's hard. Oh, man. It's hard for Rich because you've met my husband. He's mm. like absolutely a ray of sunshine in a box. He's Isn't the he, happiest, He's an angel. <laughs> happiest. Like it's like having a toddler. Him and Tony,
1: the pair of them, I'm like.
0: Oh. Yeah. And he just always says to me, why are you so hard on yourself? Why are you so mean to yourself? And I'm one, it's I know. just how I am, mm. which is not always fun.
1: But, but it's really, I think, a service. So thank you for sharing it. It's a service for other women because mm. we all just run these narratives that, you know, I wrote mine down once, which I'm sure you've done.
0: Mm. No, I'd be too mean to myself. It's
1: terrifying. Mm. Like,
0: it's so funny because like I'll be lying in bed at, and I'll be whinging about everything that's wrong with me and then I'll get up and I'll go, oh, my skin looks quite pretty today. And Rich is like, I could never cheat on you because you're literally like dating 17 women. You
1: <laughs> And I'm like, oh yeah, okay. Got to keep it interesting. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, you
0: know, it's not there all the time, mm. but my undercurrent is. Mm. Is it
1: o- triggered it by
0: things? No, or? it's just always under there yeah. you could do better yeah. you could be better you could eat better you could you should exercise you sleep too much you don't sleep you know whatever I'm because mm. you have
1: struggled with insomnia you I've yeah. seen you write about that a little yeah. bit
0: I don't sleep I'm not a good sleeper um have you always not no, been a good sleeper it started in my mid-20s I don't know why mm. um and I think that plays into it as well because when I'm particularly in digital you are so busy you don't even have time to wee and so you don't mm. have time to think deeper than. there is like
1: so many urinary tract infections in digital <laughs> there's gotta be right honestly
0: like oh, I, I i eat light and easy because no not light and easy dietlicious because that's all i have time is to microwave something for two minutes oh yeah you know the glamour but i think it gets to 2am and your brain's like hang on i haven't told you enough nasty stuff yet because you didn't let it throughout mm. the day so i think You're
1: busy 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 yeah busy. and yeah. so it just get,
0: finds its way in and i wake mm. up and go okay
1: Yeah, all right, well, let's hear it. Yeah,
0: give it to me so (laughs) I can go back to sleep.
1: (laughs) Uh, um, One thing I was going to say, I'd written this down about the Instagram thing. I'm a real observer and I go into like Instagram holes.
0: Vortexes. Uh, Vortexes.
1: There seems to be um, like a Lee Campbell's cheeks are fake society. (laughs) Yes, I'm so flattered. And I just – but I want to write back to them and be like, they're her fucking cheeks. Yeah, because who would – (laughs)
0: because who would do this to themselves?
1: Well, a lot of people do now.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God, but it's outrageous. And I've been very open with what I do when I said I've got Botox for 10 years and I get beauty boost and I've had lots of things done, but my cheeks are my cheeks. Mm. And I had to put up a photo that was like, guys, this is me 10 years ago because I had the chubbiest face. I Mm. always had a really chubby face. And it's only through volume loss tragically as I age that I'm getting any sort of angles to my face. But these (laughs) cheeks are still there. Mm. And it's funny, I had a treatment earlier this morning and she was saying she did this hardcore massage and she said that it's all sinus and blocked, I don't know, bits and pieces. And I was like, what? I've got to tell the whole world (laughs) (laughs) that there's a reason. Um, And it's very flattering that people, I guess, think that they're fake, but like who would get that?
1: Mm. (laughs) But I guess where I'm at with Instagram is even the fact that they think about it
0: yeah, they are so invested. their own – Yes. And I also just think for me, like I'm very honest. I'm all about giving you the advice in terms of, hey, I found this really great product or this really great treatment. So if I've gone and got lip, lip filler or cheek filler, I'm going to tell you mm. and how much it costs and where I got mm. it and if you, you should get it. So I'm not going to deny that. Mm. Um, and I just hope people think I'm telling
1: the truth there because I absolutely would. Mm. Oh, I trust you in that sense. Mm. I also think um, maybe I've coined – a new term. Oh, You might have heard of it before. I feel like I started it, but maybe I didn't. <laughs> baby Botox. Oh, like ba- tiny little baby bits? Baby B.
0: Oh, I like it. So you just get a little bit?
1: I get a little bit more often now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dr. Versus, Jeremy's all about that, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. my God. If anyone's curious, DM us. He's the best. He's the best. Oh, yeah. I'll yeah.
0: go in and I'll be like, I need. And he's like, no. He gives me like four units. I'm I like, know, mate, that's the thing. i got to come back
1: in two But weeks. that's the reason he's good yeah, is he does, because everybody. you come in and he's like, you're so beautiful. I'm like, thank you. Now, super up. Know, he always tells me how pretty I am. I'm yeah. like, no.
0: Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, if you're going to get Botox, get a little bit. Mm. Make sure your face still moves. Mm. But it's your face. Do what the hell you want to. It. Yeah. You know?
1: I think it's becoming um, – look, there'll be people listening that are absolutely appalled. Mm. Uh, it's 2018. So you've got yeah. to expect that, you know, that's going to happen. But the way I've spoken about it is it gives me um, confidence mm. and it makes me feel good about myself so much to your point I don't really give a fuck what you think. No. And you know, if my fifteen units every six to nine months bother you, yeah. then you need to You need
0: to get more fulfillment in your life yeah, to we'll be try honest. It. <laughs> but like it's in it's eye cream for the inside. It's mm. just more
1: effective. Mm.
0: You know, people will go and buy all these chemicals and put them on their face and then go, Oh my God, are you putting Botox in your face? Not much difference.
1: It's so interesting, isn't yeah. it? But yeah, but there's such a judgment.
0: There's a line. But everyone has a different line. You know, someone gets a boob job and that's outrageous. Someone mm. has veneers and that's outrageous. Some people think women that get fake tan is really superficial. So it's like where's your line? As mm. long as you're happy with your own line, who cares? Mm.
1: I'll um tag Dr. Jeremy somewhere. I know <laughs> this well, one of the questions I get asked the most and which is why I've been really honest about it too because if I have – other women DM me and say, "Oh my god, you're so pretty!" or "You look amazing!" or whatever. I tell them, "Yeah." Or what face cream do you use? Not face cream.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, face cream is nice, but combined,
1: why not retinol? Everything, yeah, more is more. Yeah, and I think it's actually a bit of a disservice to be like, "Oh, thank you." I'm just yeah. using like I drink noni juice or I have yeah. chlorophyll or whatever. Like seriously, yeah, I say really hydrated. No. Um, and even being, I don't know what I am now. Am I unemployed? Self-employed. You're
0: self-employed. Who knows?
1: Let's not go there. <laughs> um, I still don't drink enough water.
0: Yeah, even I don't though do any like of the right things, I know them all. I've written about them for fifteen years, I but I don't do them. <laughs> I do one of them, and You're then eating I bloody diet-licious. flip flop. I know. Well, it's cheap. It's
1: delicious. As well. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Well, we're going things to... are about to get pretty real, and our conversation might mm-hmm. be a trigger for some women listening. I know it is for Lee and I. A few days before we recorded this episode, Lee published two blogs in a series called Treading Water, a journal of sorts about her and Rich's experience with miscarriage, loss, and infertility. Sadly, Tony and I also lost a little baby the week before. I'll be forever grateful to Lee for bravely sharing her story. So nice,
0: baby. Um, yeah, and it's really funny. I've been thinking about it this week, knowing I was going to come here because I am on. Instagram a lot and I think I'm quite real but I'm not very open in terms of personal stuff Mm. you know I try and be um approachable but I don't really share the things and you know when I first started at Mamma Mia I did one post about having endometriosis and lots of people contacted me saying oh my god you you've got endo you should be a voice of endo and I was like well no I don't owe that to anyone I need Mm. to protect myself first and that's not that's why it's not who I am on social media. And then it was funny, I saw Mia do a talk earlier this week and it really inspired me to make public these posts because I write everything. My whole life is written mm. down in half books and mm. half series. Because I was thinking you
1: would have written that probably a while ago. Yeah, yeah.
0: I did and because it's very cathartic for me. I guess it's almost like a diary but I just write stuff and it doesn't go anywhere mostly. And then I thought that
1: – You were th- ready to share?
0: Uh, no, I actually wasn't ready but I thought if I don't – I I will never and the quote that Mia used that really struck me was that there's a woman out there something like this there's a woman out there whose wound is the exact shape of your words and it brought me back exactly to the point when I was going through the miscarriages and the IVF that I was reading anything I could find any blog anything and there was two or three paragraphs about the IVF and then there was the happy ending and I'm like but wait what about in that bit when it was hard and it hurt and, and I couldn't find anyone tell the story in depth enough and then I only ever found happy endings mm. and so when our journey has come to the end now, um, I thought I, ha- I have to for me and for other women to tell that it doesn't always end well and these years for us were horrific and there's no baby and it's not like there's not a happy ending and that's really hard but I think that's why I've done it mm. because I haven't waited till there's a nice bow again on the end mm. and that's really
1: Shit Really It's hard Well I want to say I'm sorry But then I also want to say Thank you mm-hmm. Because <laughs> no.
0: mm. I know what you're going through It's awful
1: It's also very raw Yeah it's recent <laughs> You know, I actually thought for a second there, I was like, I got this. I think I might hold this together. <laughs> but the thing is like, oh.
0: Don't hold it together. That's the thing. Like yeah. I spent three years of my life holding it together in boardrooms and yeah. <laughs> baby showers. Like you don't have to hold it
1: together. Oh, it's a lot. And like, you know, I spoke to Tony before we started recording and that it's the same as Rich, right? It's their story story too it's it's their journey as well so while it's happening to to body us Mm. you kind of I've certainly felt a lot of ownership and power in that but it's me it's me it's me Mm. but actually they're there and they are the person who's there like right alongside you and I said to him like you know and and I'll share it here like we um lost a baby a week ago and I was eight weeks pregnant and you know do you feel comfortable if I feel comfortable in the moment sharing it? And, you know, we'd gone back and forward a few times because, you know, nobody – our thing was if there's so many people in our lives that didn't know, right, and I was Mm. pretty adamant on not sharing news before 12 weeks and all that stuff, and you don't want the people closest to you to find out in a way so public. But at the same time, I guess where I arrived – is I don't owe anyone else in my life. I don't have to make anyone feel comfortable about my bad news and or how so they receive I think it. it's just inherently
0: uncomfortable. Yeah. It's miscarriage and pregnancy loss and it's never going to feel good to tell or talk about and people don't know what to say. And People say the wrong things by mistake or people don't say anything at all, mm. which is way worse. And I think there is no rule book for this and that's why it is so silent and we all just feel like we're so alone even though we're not. Mm. Um, so you don't know how to tread. You're I just know. kind of guessing.
1: And well, I think It was like literally when you published, you put the Instagram up and I read them and I text you straight away and said thank you because you made me feel so less lonely in that moment. And it's crazy how similar the stories are mm. and there's got to be, oh, there is millions of them. It's one I in had three, literally right? literally
0: more than 100 women that first mm. night send me their story and it was like. Wow a lot but I was so thankful for them all but it was extremely overwhelming but like your story is my story is her story and it's we just need to tell them because Mm. we wait until we've got the baby and then we go oh I went through this bad thing but then this good thing happened after Mm. and it's like there's not always a good thing after there's more bad things years Mm. of bad things and Mm. then maybe you just have to learn to move on and that's why I wanted to do it because I don't have a good thing at the end Mm. except for Rich and you know the fact that he and I healthy and there could be way worse stuff happening to us but you know throughout it I lost my job his stepbrother was murdered my father had cancer twice still has lung cancer like the universe just fucking threw it at us just kept throwing it and throwing it and you end up on your knees and you're just like what else like I'm here now I'm down you got me and it's really fucked but at the end of the day we've gone right we can't do this anymore we could keep doing IVF but it was bad and I was in emergency and you know it just was a horrific time and I just we had to say no more and the power in quitting that's the hardest thing I've ever had to do because my internal dialogue says no you you keep going until it kills you you keep going because if you quit this and you know telling her no I need to protect myself first it's really hard Mm. and she just keeps yelling at me for not keep
1: going. Mm. Sorry. No, don't apologize. I mean this is real life, you know, like I think one of the things that I found really challenging and you'll relate to this is where senior women in big jobs, right? And so there's this perception that you I don't know, like you're not you're not in your feminine and you're not woman and you're not nurture because you don't have a baby and the amount of people that have said to me, like, you know, I, I remember I sat at a dinner once, and it was probably about eighteen months ago, and I had an, I guess, like an older lady in our industry berate me for forty-five minutes
0: about not having kids.
1: About she said to me, um, "Well, first, I always get this. Oh, you're that shiny digital person I've heard about. Like, impress me quick. What have you got?" And I was like, "Oh fuck, where are all my oh, shiny one-liners now?" Um, but she said to me, you won't be successful until you have a baby. She oh. said to me, um, your husband will cheat on you if you don't give him a baby soon. Oh my God. I would have it punched was her. like, honestly, I think I, I went in and just was trying to, I don't know, what cope. What is wrong with
0: people? Oh but God. it's so funny you say but that. But also that's she's
1: been like twice divorced.
0: <laughs> but that's how I speak to myself. But if someone mm. spoke
1: to me like that or to you, mm. I would punch them it was i honestly i went and i'm not usually like this but i went silent and then i think she realized through my silence she heard herself and then excused herself and went to the toilet and never came back good i know um honestly like it gives me the shivers thinking about it but that's one story and there's other more well-intentioned ones mm. there's this perception that you don't have a baby because you're you heartless and first. you're like exactly yeah. And I think that's what I found the hardest is people saying to me like, "Oh, you haven't got long, and you better hurry up." And you think the career is everything, but it's not. And, mm. and they have I'm no like, idea. Oh, you've what's got no idea. Like, yeah.
0: You know. And also, you can do both, not mm. very well at the exact same time. But I don't understand why people feel like we're choosing. Like you don't know what I've been doing behind closed doors. Mm. But I put it down to the fact that I'm probably a pretty good actress because when people have found out recently that it's been a few years since we've been trying to have a baby, a lot of people will say, I had no idea. And I'm like, yeah, I know because I'm a professional. I go and have an internal ultrasound and a blood test and I'm at my desk at 7.30 and I'm in the boardroom. How are you supposed to know? Like I've just got to get on with it. That's strength though. Well, it's just no choice. You don't have a choice. Like you've just got to go and then you go and
1: have – That is so strong though. Like I know – Hundreds of other women who would not be able to do that. So you absolutely are a pillar of strength in that sense. My second day at
0: Mamma Mia was
1: my due date for one of my
0: miscarriages, (laughs) and I just remember being like, "I'm not supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be on maternity leave." And in my head was just my parallel universe of how my life was supposed to be going. Mm -hmm. And so I was sitting at my new desk, like smiling at my new colleagues, and it was just like, "You have all the plans in the world," and. The universe is just going to be like, this is what we're doing. Sorry. And you've just got to go along with it. Mm. But it was interesting timing.
1: Can I ask you, somebody told me, <clears throat> I don't know, I'm not, I don't want to make a joke of it. I think mine's so raw, I'm probably trying to laugh my way through it at this point. Mm. Um, someone told me to plant a tree.
0: That's nice. I don't
1: want to though.
0: You don't I don't know. To. I don't
1: feel like I want to do anything like
0: that. You don't – I didn't want to do anything and then I – and you know me. I'm very anti-woo-woo. I'm not <laughs> You are into anti-woo-woo. Crystals. Did you like,
1: notice I haven't even spoken about the crystals? But wait.
0: I have crystals. <laughs> oh, my God. Related to this baby. So I went to this – I've got to tell this story on the blog. I haven't told it yet but it's hilarious. I went to an energy healer because I was that desperate for reprieve. I don't know. And she <laughs> – she was crazy. She found my soul. It was in her kitchen drawer, which was like, oh, my God, of all the places that went missing, it was in your kitchen. How lucky. But then she said to me, you've had three losses. And I was like, wow. And she said the middle one was the most serious one. And I was like, wow. And she's like, he's in the room. The baby's in the room. Oh, my God. And I was God. like, holy shit. Got I know. And I'm explains. like, you know me. I love a study. I love science. I don't believe in any of this shit. But I was like, okay. And she said, you have to go home and light a candle. And get some crystals and that spirit baby and you talk to spirit baby and you light it and you talk to him and I was like, okay. So I went home and I was like, look, how do you feel about this rich? And God love him. He was like, okay. So we have this little candle, the candle? on a bowl. <laughs> That's what Tony totally would be like. Get the fucking candle out. yeah. And we'd light the candle and talk to spirit baby and ask what we needed and we wanted a baby and we want a new baby and thank you so much for being our baby but you're not here, yada, yada. And then the weeks went on and I was asking spirit baby for a good pup Car spot, and I was asking Spirit Baby for everything. And Rich is like, that's not what Spirit Baby's for. You're abusing Spirit Baby. I was like, he's for whatever I need. Um, But that ended up being my tree. Mm. I didn't have a tree, but Mm. this woman who, I don't know, I guess I was supposed to go to that appointment, you know, I now have my candle. Mm. So something might come to you. It's probably too fresh. Yeah.
1: Kind of where I'm at is I know. I know I'm a really strong person and I've got a barometer of bad as well and I think that's really important as a woman in life. Like we have to go through things as hard as they are so that we can almost place them on a, you know. Yeah, and so the good times feel good. Totally, you know, because otherwise everything can feel a bit surface mm. and we've got to go deep and think and in there. I and- particularly in our industry, like we do get to
0: see nice pretty things and shiny things and go to shiny and life is shiny mm. but then – behind closed doors at the same time you can be going through the grittiest hardest Mm. stuff but yeah you don't want to just put the shiny on instagram but you don't want to be like yo i just had an operation Mm. or i just went through this like it's hard you want to be real but you don't want to be so open and vulnerable all the Mm. time and it took me till now to just do it
1: Mm. without thinking about it well i honestly i have to say i'm like the I to my walking contradiction. Like, I'm doing this fucking podcast about self and, you know, trying to encourage women to share more of the good and the bad on Instagram. And, you know, I don't think I'm. Yeah. And maybe there's a time and a place for it for me. Um, and, you know, the first thing I thought was okay, my life is pre planned. I'm in control of nothing. I'm very aware of that. So this was already in my destiny. So now I'm here and I've arrived at it. Now what am I going to do with it? What's the lesson for me? And Do you know the lesson yet? um, I think what I know for sure is um, I am a woman with a platform and I have an ability to tell stories and facilitate conversation. And so that's where I'm at of like could I help share my story but also perhaps help other women share their story. I don't know, like, but then the, you know, I don't know, the the other side of my brain is like, oh, stop. <laughs> stop with the lesson. Stop with the having to, like, no,
0: go and do something be- with it. You know yeah. what I mean? No, but that's very you. I think mm. you're being true to yourself and there will always be people that need those lessons at various times. Not everyone will need every lesson, mm. but it depends on where they're at, I think.
1: Mm. Um, I have two questions for you. Um, And then we're going to go out and get drunk. (laughs) We deserve it. We do. Um, I guess one is in relation to some of the um, insight that you shared in the blog series. Women saying to you, oh, I knew it, or how – what do you say to them when they do that?
0: Uh, Yeah, I know. It was weird. Like people – I mean, I guess you suspect when people are trying to have a baby or whatever. But, yeah, I found a lot of people's reactions like, oh, I knew you were trying to have a baby. It's like, good for you. Do I give you a badge now? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm in my mid to late 30s, obviously. Like, not you know, a lot of people don't. But if you've got half a brain and some tact, um, it's always hard to know what to say. I've avoided a lot of, a lot of situations about that. I've, gone, I've missed a lot of baby showers because they're too hard, as cliche as that sounds. I just try and avoid... Mm particularly face-to-face, I'd prefer someone find out that I was trying to have a baby. Like it was much easier to do it, to tell the entire world over Instagram so than it would be verbally because it's really hard. Um, so I don't actually know how to do that right yet. It
1: always feels yuck. Mm. I think it's a good lesson for women listening though. I mean from both of us, right? It's yeah. You just never really know and why don't you – why can't ask. we all take – yeah. Like, we we'll, we'll take responsibility for – our um what what we say and how we say it to 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 each other to other women who we might not know what they might be going through and don't assume you know. don't
0: assume and also don't assume in general that someone else's business you're meant to be privy to you know if you were nine months pregnant right now I would not ask you unless there was a baby crowning out of your (laughs) vagina I would not ask you when you were due it's none of my business (laughs) I would definitely need some help (laughs)
1: But, you know, just, like, ask about the weather. Yeah.
0: Don't ask. Mm. She'll talk if she wants.
1: Um, So the final question I've been asking my guests, I actually don't know whether you know this question or not. Um, Obviously offline exists as an exploration of self and as a resource for women wanting to go and explore that for themselves. We get – and you're such a great example of this because we're so alike in a lot of ways in big jobs and all the titles and the shininess of it – when you strip all of the titles away um, and you're sitting in sort of what I'm calling true self, who are you and how, yeah, how do you describe? This is such a hard question. It is a really hard question and, yeah.
0: I mean, for me, I think I'm not too far from what I try to show and try to project and like you said before, I don't really try and do a curated Instagram feed and I'm not about a monochrome flat lay, you know. I am just more of what you see. I'm probably a bit more child-like. You are fun. I'm very childish, I think, because I'm the youngest child. I will always remain a child. I act like a child to my husband. I can be quite a brat. Um, I think, yeah, if anything, I'm pro- and it's nice that you say I'm fun, but I'm probably more, yeah, of a joker and silly. Mm. But I try and put my professional hat on professionally and externally. Mm. Um, But yeah,
1: I don't know. I'm still trying to work that out. Mm. Aren't we all? Me too. That's why I'm literally interviewing women like you and asking them (laughs) in the hope that maybe I'll arrive at my own. I
0: think you don't ever really arrive. Mm. You keep working on it and then you Mm. die. Yeah.
1: I think it was Paula said you arrive dying or something. I was like, geez, that's... It's true, though.
0: I mean, you don't want to ever be finished. Mm. You're a work in progress.
1: Mm. Well, let's go and drink some red wine.
0: Thank you for having (laughs) me. Oh, my God, thank you for
1: being on my podcast. Okay, bye. (laughs) Thank you for joining us for this episode of Offline. Visit getoffline.co to explore more episodes, the online courses I've created to help you succeed consciously, and upcoming community events. Follow getoffline.co on Instagram and me. My handle is Alison Larson Rice. Lastly, if you know someone who would benefit from hearing these honest conversations, please share offline with them.